man, it's so wild to me because I just like, I just keep doing these and I just keep meeting new people and I'm very excited to meet you. I'm seeing your face for the first time. We spoke the other day. Um, but I don't know anything about you. I always tell people the yeah. context. Um, and there is none. Mariah, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. And just in case anyone's watching it, I want to clear it up if they're as dumb as I am. If they're looking at your beautiful face. Yeah, exactly. There's another side to that headphone. Okay. When we first started talking, she kind of had it tucked. <laughs> I thought she had a cool new thing. I was wrong. Um <laughs> Mariah, where are you from? Let's start there. I'm from Long Island, New York, like right in the middle of the island. Very good. Yeah. About how far out of the city are you growing up? Um, It's probably like an hour, an hour and 10 train ride. But if you're driving, that's a whole different story. It depends on what time of day you leave. Depends that's on true. if it's a holiday weekend, all that horrible traffic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so born and raised in New York? Yeah, born and raised on Long Island. The only time that I left was for school. Yeah. And Got then it. Uh, are you back in New York now? I am. Yeah. So I graduated in 2019 and my genius idea was to move back to Long Island, take the train in and out of the city to do my auditioning and whatever. And then 2019 went into 2020 and I never left. <laughs> so the commuter life is very real for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever, I want to, I'm curious, like now I'm questioning what order I want to ask these questions. Okay. I made my yeah, mind up. I know I want to say, I love it. Cause I get overloaded. I have so many things already. Um, let's start <laughs> with, I've, I've lived in New York myself. I lived there when I was in high school, <laughs> uh, in the city. And then, uh, at, several times, uh, later in my twenties and, it, I think it's a very particular place, obviously. Uh, and the people who are from there, I find a lot of things oftentimes in common. One of them being that more so than a lot of other places I've ever been, there's like this unconscious, take it for granted assumption that you're not going to leave. Like, why mm -hmm. would you leave? Why would you live anywhere else ever? Like they don't even, it's not, should I live somewhere else? No, it's, wait, why are you asking me that question? In what world would right. I leave? Um, and there's people like that everywhere. Honestly, mm. there are people who are the smallest town in the world. They're like, why would I ever leave here? It's all my family. But man, New Yorkers, there's a lot of New Yorkers who just assume they're always going to live there. And I'm curious yeah. if you're one of those people. Um, uh, kind of. I feel like New Yorkers have, I mean, we have a bad rap about being rude and all this, but Direct. I think there is, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I think there's a grain of truth in it. I mean, that's why um, it's such a common thought um, that we sort of have a superiority complex. Like we think we're in the greatest city in the world. You we already made it to the top food. of the mountain. Who goes down the mountain? Right. Um, but actually, as I've gotten older and, uh, you know, paying my own bills and all of yeah. that, the idea of leaving feels maybe a little bit more tangible just because the cost of living here is so high. Um, right. but it also feels very down the line. Like, well, maybe we'll leave, maybe we'll move away, but I don't, we don't have any pressing plans. Mm. So you say, possible, we. who are you speaking oh, yeah. for? 
Um, I'm married. So my husband and I, yeah. So am I. Wonderful. How long have you been married? Um, we got married June, 2022. So it's like a year and a half. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, and what does your husband do? He, um, is a Marine mechanic. So he works on boat engines primarily. Yeah. That is some like manly nerdy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Boat engines. Right. <laughs> he comes home um, covered in like oil and grease every day. Is that um, like super and- hot for you? Do you like the like the, the burly fella vibe of I've been working on machines all day with my hands? He's like, so he's a he's kind of a funny duck because um, he's very <laughs> he, obviously. I like the phrase. Tell me, please tell me why your husband is kind of a funny duck. Go on. He's working with his hands, but he's also super creative and artistic. Cool. And so um, he has sort of like the tough guy, manly man thing going, but he's also a huge nerd. And um, he's a musician. He acted and did plays when he was growing up. So um, it's like half and yeah. half. Um, you know, it's wild. Yeah. That di- that dynamic doesn't even blow my mind because what you're describing is like exactly my stepdad. When I was growing up, yeah, my stepdad was a mechanic, like auto mechanic, grease right. all the way up to his arms all day. And then he would came, come home and paint. Mm-hmm. Like he would paint and draw and like do all this nerdy shit and read like comic books. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he was a dude that if you ran into him on the street, especially with his like regular disposition, you'd be like, oh shit, like, don't, maybe oh, you don't yeah. piss that guy off. But then you get home and he's like, I drew this dragon. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> what a... Right. What a switch. Yeah. Those are yeah. cool and dudes. Those are cool dudes. I mean, I'm not yeah. preaching to the choir, but. Yeah. And Kyle. So my husband's name is Kyle. He's also um, like six one, So he's like a full Ugh. foot taller than How tall me. are you? Yeah. I'm there like you go. Five one, five two. You got it. But you have to stop perpetuating this because too many, too many people out there have this expectation that they're going to find what you found. They're going to get yeah. to be a foot shorter than their fella. And that is just not life, ladies. If you're listening, it's just not life. It's not real. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Exception <laughs> proves the rule. But lucky you. Okay. So, um, all right, let's back up a little bit. So you're growing okay. up in Long Island. What? Uh, talk about the family a little bit. Give me, uh, what are people leaving every day to go to do for work? Okay. And, yeah. and are there siblings? Those are my two yes. next ones. Okay, so uh, there are three siblings. I have three older brothers. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. I'm one of four. Do Um, you feel like so safe growing up? Like who's going to mess with you? You got three older brothers. There's bound to be one of them who's a tough guy. Oh, yeah. The middle one is the tough guy. There you go. Um, Yeah, I in terms of like no one, no one on the outside could ever touch me. But my brothers... Oh tortured. shit! Yeah, when I was little, <laughs> tortured. You, it um, could go either way, right? Because I would think in my head, what's the gap between you and the youngest brother? Uh, like three and a half years. Like I three was a and freshman a half years. in high okay. school, and he was a senior. And they were already out of high school. The oldest two were way. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. And how old is so, your oldest brother? Like he's in comparison 10 years to you, older. ten years older than you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's really interesting. That's like a real decades long uh, pregnancy kind of with some gaps, really. Yeah. 
so you're, that, you're constantly in that for a long time. Your your but, family is the reason why a lot of women are like, I want to have them back to back as hard right? as that is, because I don't want to stretch it out for like 10 fucking years. Yeah. Yeah. So the oldest two are very close in age. And then Got it. my the youngest of the three and I are kind of close in age. Um, and I don't He's want like it in to between. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like they, you know, they were mean to me or anything, but there, there was definitely totally a level. Were. <laughs> <laughs> well, the youngest one and I were like best, best buds growing up. Like we okay. played together all the time. Oh, dope. Um, That's cool. But there was definitely a level where like we had a pet dog and like they took the dog out of the crate and put me in the crate, that kind of thing. Or like I was out in my baby swing. That's and some I... typical little kid messing with the yeah. little kid shit. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully oh, not like overnight. Sibling kind of right. stuff. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. typical. Okay. Yeah. But overall, the family unit is like getting along. You guys are all like, oh, yeah. you know, pretty tight or people screaming all the time or you're hanging out on the holidays. Like, aren't we glad to have each other? Yeah. Everyone is, everyone is uh, pretty tight. I would say. Yeah. That's dope. That's wonderful. I'm excited for everyone to be up for, um, I'm going to my in-laws for Thanksgiving, but my whole family is coming up for Christmas and pretty pumped to have everyone together. So where is everybody now? They're all spread out a little bit. Um, two out of three brothers are still on the Island and one with his family. He has three little girls, um, is in Florida. So oh, that's he, far. Yeah. He's coming. But up it's also Florida. like this weird, they really need to like create some sort of a, um, I don't know, like a time warp or some sort of wormhole. New York and Florida are too far away from each other for how connected they are in <laughs> spirit so and like families. Yeah. It's wild. It's like, I don't know if there's any two other states. Yeah. I don't know if there's mm -hmm. any other two states that have quite that relationship where it's like they're that far apart. But the travel must be insane. Us in Nevada, maybe. I live in California just because mm. of Vegas. It's oh, because the Vegas yeah. feels like it's in California, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's wild. What do your folks do? D um, did or do? Yeah, Both are yeah. good answers. My mom was a nurse for like cool. 35 years. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, so she's not actively working now, but she definitely stays busy. She, oh, like she put her time in. If she was retired altogether, I'd be like, God bless, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my dad owns his own business and he is, um, a Marine contractor. So he both builds like docks and bulkheads, which are like those walls, like retaining walls for water. Um, and then he also drops and pulls moorings, which are like the little, I don't know, balls that float in the water that boats hook up to. When did you meet your husband? <laughs> I've known him since we were probably like five and six. Is it related in any way? Cause this is weird. <laughs> yes. There had to have been a moment when this connected, either it's how you met him or at some point you came home and were like, dad, you're never going to fucking believe this. <laughs> yeah. So we met through church as little, little okay. kids, but my dad got my husband, his first job as like a dock hand at a Marina. That's amazing. So he, mm -hmm. so Kyle is kind yes. of like son four. Kind, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Got and it. he's best friends with my one brother. So how old is Kyle in comparison to you? Is he like your brother's age? He's a year older than me. 
So, oh, okay. So he's in between yeah. the, okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he really just filled in that last little slot with another fella <laughs> right. as if you didn't already have enough older men in your life. <laughs> right. Now there's this other tall boat guy you got to have around all the time. Yeah. But you seem very happy with it. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So how do you end up in North Carolina? Why not, you know, stay in the city for the rest <laughs> of your life forever? Yeah. So, um, the college like search process, um, I kind of felt a little bit on my own. Um, I went to like normal public high school and they kind of didn't know what to do with me. Cause I was like, Been I'm going to go and dance in school. And they were like, don't really know how to help you. So I the was only the- path in Texas public high school, like that they, that they had, that anyone knows how to give you is go somewhere and get a bachelor's degree in fine arts and theater. Not acting, mm-hmm. not a specialty, just theater, and then right. come back and teach high school. That's the yeah. fucking only thing anyone knows how to do. <laughs> no one tells you like L.A. or New York or Chicago, but nothing. There's none right. of that. I went to two different public high schools and like in Texas and have known countless people. Unless you have this weird person that like knows that you can mm-hmm. go to like a school of the arts or a Juilliard or a thing and is like, hey, psst unified auditions or hey go to the school in february whatever the thing mm-hmm. some places it's wild to me that they just yeah. don't know and you can be good and they don't know what yeah. to do with you yeah yeah so i actually had one i had an art teacher who i'm still in contact with and she helped me a bit um just cuz she had more of a finger on the pulse of like what was going on in the arts world, but primarily with like visual arts and like photography and stuff. Um, but so I was just like looking up online, like best dance schools, best dance colleges. And one day I like just stumbled across NCSA. And, um, I remember like talking to my dance teacher about it and she's like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that one. And I was like, cool. So I'm going to go there. (laughs) I don't know. Um, so I would definitely say that it was, um, it was how many like places did thing. you audition for? Uh, probably like five. How many did you get like into? Mm, I think like four out of five because I ended up not going to one of the auditions actually. Um, there was like a horrible snowstorm and we got snowed in and I missed the weekend and I was like, yeah, I, I think I just don't want to go there at all. <laughs> yeah. So. Sometimes luck of the draw, maybe a sign yeah. going on there from somebody. Um, so how many of the other places you got into, are they as far away as North Carolina? No, they're all pretty local. And I really, and what only the hell do you, what are you doing? To... Why are you going there? It's so you far know, away and it's away from everything, you know, and understand. And it's weird. Yeah. There's nothing there. Well, I will say to the credit of that art teacher, I looked at a lot of schools that were in the city. Like I looked mm. at Marymount, like, I looked at NYU, I looked at Juilliard, like yes. all these Um, and they're all very expensive. So that was one thing. That's but true. He but you're out of state. So going to North Carolina is like, yeah, it's a less than NYU, but it's not right. cheap. Right. Yeah. So that one art teacher was a really big advocate for the idea that those schools will advertise like, oh, this city is your campus. And she's like, you have your whole life to do that. You only get this four year gap 
in your life where you get to go and be on a campus with other people and like just focus on that. And I was like, you're right. And that very the city much appealed to you when I was younger, for sure. Mm. I was like super anxious traveling in and out by myself. So just having to worry about like walking from my dorm to my dance studio was super. And it was such a blessing to be on campus because, and you guys have talked about this on the podcast before, but to be on a campus with other artists and like, we're all hyper-focused on slightly different things, but like we have the same kind of drive inside was, yeah, like magic. Yeah. It's a very, (laughs) very special place in that way. And I, I mean, obviously I'm being a little, um, sardonic and leading you uh on these questions because i'm very glad that you went to school uh in north carolina (laughs) and i think in general i'm one of those people that i just advocate for travel throughout your life Mm -hmm. like i I think it's important to live in different places and do different things i have lived in like as i mentioned i've lived in new york and i totally understand how one could feel like the mount that's the mountaintop like, and mm-hmm. that's where it's all happening. And that's why would you leave there if that's where the thing is? Um, and I I think I, I I agree a little bit. I agree. And I agree a little bit about LA too. I think they're both kind of mm-hmm. like that. And that's why people often, you know, we've talked about it, my wife and I, because we both kind of at the moment are at the luxury of working remotely. And so mm-hmm. we've talked like, maybe we go somewhere less expensive right. while we're doing this remote work and just if only for the sake of like saving some money for a little while. Um, but her family's here. So it's kind of the same way with you mm-hmm. uh, in Long Island where it's like, you know, you don't want to be too far away from everybody um, depending on what you got going on. And uh, you know, you guys are newlyweds and I don't know if you have uh, plans for kids or not, but if you do, obviously that's like a tremendous thing to have your family close for that. Not just for like, sentimental reasons but logistical reasons it's good to have your family around for that um you know the ability to go out people often mention but it's like also emergencies you know all the i mean it's just good to have support kid gets sick and you're sad don't you want your mom to fucking come over like like it's definitely i understand that um but your art teacher was smart to push you when you're young to try new things and experiment and i also think based on what i've learned about you so far i think even though it is very different, I can totally understand why North Carolina would feel very comfortable to you. Yeah. Like in, a good, was, in a good way. Yeah, it was. It was comfortable, I would say. I mean, there was, um, when I first moved down, like freshman year, I remember in that um, first semester kind of being like, no one gets me. Like, I, I don't sure. know. I'm like cracking jokes and like being sarcastic and no one's like, I don't know. We're not vibing or like clicking the way that I expected, but um, yeah, it, I fell into like a very comfortable rhythm after a certain point down there. So people started thinking I was from North Carolina too, or like from the South. So let me ask this next question. How long have you not sounded like you're from Long Island? Um, I never had a super strong accent to begin with, but freshman year, I was not in like a, not in a mean way, but I was kind of made fun of or like mercilessly jabbed at for water, dog, walk. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I sort of lost my accent at some point in there and it never came back. 
Although when I drive, if I get really frustrated, it comes out with a vengeance. I think one of the things that, and I have talked about this on the podcast relentlessly. First of all, I am, I would put in like maybe the top 10 things about human existence that I find fascinating are voices, the way mm-hmm. our voices work, the way we choose to say certain words, accents, dialects, all that stuff. It's one of my favorite parts about the drama school um, is we get to take all these dialect classes. Yeah. And so I have had a huge evolution in my feelings on this. And I hate, first of all, I hate for real that you ever felt like you had to sound different for any reason. Mm-hmm. It happens to lots of people. Um, One of the reasons why I don't sound like I'm from Texas is because when I was really little, my mom was like, don't sound like you're from Texas. That's not the move. Like she would Mm -hmm. try to train it out of me to make sure that I didn't sound like I was from the South because she thought it would work against me in my life. She didn't Mm -hmm. want me to have a Southern accent. So I would spend time not around the people in our family who had like the thickest Mm -hmm. accents. And when we left, we would make fun of them. My mom would lead the charge and not in a mean way. Like, don't they sound dumb? Fuck those people. Like not nasty. But they'd be like, like, yeah, you know how your grandma's like, like, absolutely. And to this day, they still give my grandma a hard time for the fact that she says like, wash the car. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of these little things that I'm never going to affect in a big way. But I do in a small ways mention it because it's trickled down from all of my experiences in this area. I am all about the celebration of saying shit differently. Mm. There is no wrong way. Uh, in the drama school, Mary Irwin used to tell us, people don't, we use the word accent and dialect, but truthfully, no one really has an accent because that's a comment on the fact that it's different than yours. Right. And that makes it, there's kind of a an arrogance built into that of like, I'm doing it right and they have an accented version. What it's mm-hmm. like, no, everyone just has a voice. Right. That's that's what it is. And this person's voice sounds like that. And this one sounds like that. And he says it water. And he says water. And he says whatever. Like, I I have not always felt this way. But I feel it so, so strongly now. Because mm-hmm. I also believe in... Like, people give uh, Ryan Gosling a hard time for being, like, mm. from Canada. And then he has, like, this, like, you know, in interviews, he'd be, like, have this almost, like, New York accent. And, like, you know, it's like, you're not fucking from. But he's <laughs> spent his whole life changing his voice all right. the time on purpose. So have I. I sound however the fuck I want to sound. And I don't right. excuse yeah. it. And I don't care if anyone knows where I'm from or what I. So I, I pick up a lot of Northeastern shit. I like it. I like mm-hmm. the way it fucking sounds. So that's what I, that's how I talk. And I don't yeah. see any problem with that. And I find it fascinating that we, you're like Long Island for life and you have this like standard American kind of voice. <laughs> right. And I wonder, like you said, like when you're driving, it comes out, right? When else, yeah. when else are other times that you're like, oh man. I'm like Marissa Tomei over here. I sound like I work at Carlo's Bakery in Hoboken. You know, I'm going yeah. full. <laughs> if I, it depends. Some, I have some friends that have yeah. very good accents. And when and you if chill I'm with them, them yeah. yeah. If it I'm comes with them, out. It'll, it'll come out. Yeah. Do you like it? Of, How does it feel for you? Like when you're in it and you notice you're like, start your head starting to maybe move a little bit on your neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess. There is something about it that 
feels like a little empowering to just like sort of lean into that. Um, Cause like it I is said, a part I never, of who you are. Right. And I never had a super pronounced accent to begin with, but um, there's something about like the New York pride that sort of like bubbles up. Yeah. So yeah. when, when you're dancing for the most part, and this is one thing I actually didn't look into. Are we talking ballet or we're talking contemporary? contemporary. At least at school. Okay. Contemporary dance. And I'm, I don't want to tell any tales of school here because it's not my thing, but I've been around it for a really long time. And mm-hmm. I've also, I also work, I don't know if you know, but I worked on a lot of um, dance TV shows professionally. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time talking about this show. And one of the things about contemporary dance that I love is that it it really embraces this like no right, no wrong, mm. feel it, just do. In if you line it up next to other dance styles, mm. it has far less rules, far less structure. Um, it is far more connected to feeling than maybe any other form mm. of dance, in my opinion. With all of that. I think that's the attitude people should have about their voices and about their English or about their Spanish or about Mm. whatever they just language is a means to communicate, right? It's the only reason we have it. We should just say everything the way we want to. There's no right, no wrong. We shouldn't go around correcting people's shit. I think sometimes grammatically, if you're really trying to um, be clear about something like, for example, uh, my wife is Korean. She grew up speaking mm. Korean in her house and English. Her Korean is faded. She's very strong in English, but even to this day, because it's her second language, she'll constantly ask me like, is this right? Like grammatically, mm. is it yeah. this, 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 or like when I use in or on, it's little mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I love that because I love, Eng- I love the English language and I love figuring that out with her and helping her get it right. But at the end of the day, if she just chooses to say, I don't give a shit and she says in or on, I know what the fuck she means and I don't yeah. care. Yeah, and I exactly. wish more people would adopt that mentality. Right. You know? Yeah. There's definitely something in human nature that has like an the in-group and the out-group. Just like yes. you were talking about with like accents. Like I, I assume that right. you have an accent because something internal in me says I'm right. I have the right way. Um, or at the very least, I am normal. I'm zero. Right. I'm baseline. And you're different. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's something very interesting about all of that. Like the in versus on. Are you standing in line? Or are you standing online? That kind of thing. Where do you um, land on that one? I'm fascinated. I can guess based on where you're from. You want to guess but first? I, but no. <laughs> well, sure. Why not? Because either way, you're going to okay, tell me the truth. Yeah. You're not going to lie. Um, people... And I had not heard a lot of this until I lived there. But uh, Northeast is very online. I'm online. standing online. And yeah. my whole life, I've insisted, and I am, I'm afraid I do to this day, because of clarity, say whatever you want, but it is not as clear because A, you aren't on a line. There's not a line it on the ground. literally doesn't make any sense unless it's painted on the ground. <laughs> And also in the evolution of this term, unfortunately for your side of this argument, we have developed this other meaning of what it means for a human being to be online. Yeah. And so now it's like an inline doesn't mean fucking anything except being in a line. I will say I'm a fan of the English version, but I'm not ever going to fucking say it 
like I'll say it right now, like they they say Q, right? I was oh, yeah, cued, yeah. which solves the whole problem. It eliminates the in on issue. But I just I can't say cued. It's too British for me. I, it feels yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, online. I remember hearing it a lot when I lived in the city, and it was like it's like hearing yeah. a, like a flat note. You know? right. like, yeah, yeah. No. My- <laughs> My roommate, um, all four years of school, this is like one of those stories that we go back to all the time. Yeah. We were uh, cleaning our Bailey Street apartment. And oh, rest in uh, peace. RIP. It was it was a little gross. I just it's went like, and I saw this city. new thing and I was like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I want to go. I think I might go this year. Go see it. I haven't been inside, but just from the outside, it looks like. It's, it looks like one of the most state-of-the-art things on the yeah. whole campus. And it's that. It's not the animation building. It's not right. the, like... It's, it's the dorms. It's crazy. And then it yeah. makes the regular dorms look hilarious. Like they're there as part of a museum exhibit. Yeah, they were... Sorry, go they, on. They needed The help, story but... from Bailey Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we were cleaning the apartment on our, like, one day off. And she said, this needs washed. And I was like, what did you just say? Where's She's this like, person from? Pennsylvania. Okay. Indiana, Pennsylvania. Ooh, okay. Yeah. 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 Western Pennsylvania so, is a very specific group right. of people. Yeah. So that's just one example where like I got ribbed for how I said water. But when she said that, I was like, are you okay? What was there, that? <laughs> I will say this and I'll say this on the record. And I have friends that I love dearly who are in this group of people and, and with all due respect, my friends listening to this from Pittsburgh, you guys are fucking banana sandwich. (laughs) Like the language is bonkers. Yins go there. Are you kidding me? What the fuck is that? I'll give you y'all is weird. I'll give you use is a little weird. Yins. Yins. You guys are cheating. These aren't real (laughs) words. You're making up other shit. Yeah, it's yeah. so specific to that area too. No right. one else talks like that. No, no. I didn't even know about that till I was probably like 25, 26 years old. I'm not joking. I was like yeah. grown. And someone yeah, said yeah. yins. She, I just saw, so actually the person I'm talking about, her name is Molly, but okay. she's dating Trent Spivey, who you just, I well, just spoke not with. that you just had him on, but it just released. Yeah, yeah, um, So Trent, I just I like saw Trent. her. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's a doing good guy. such incredible work too. Yeah, what a sweet boy. Yeah. Anyway, so I just saw her for another Pickles wedding. And great. um when we were leaving, she's like, You have to watch this YouTube video about like Pittsburgh dads or whatever. And the whole video was just like the accent. And I was like, I have no idea what they're saying or what they're trying to communicate right now. There's a great um, do you know who Nick Kroll is, the comedian and actor? The name sounds he's, familiar, but I can't. Yeah, he's been, he's really been in a lot of stuff lately, but he used to have a sketch show on Comedy Central um that did that lampooned that whole concept. Um yeah. and they were doing like a pawn stars kind of parody. So they're like in Pittsburgh, but they're they're negotiating in the pawn shop, but in that dialect. And man. <laughs> it is wild because not yeah. only is there a sound change dialect happening, there's such a different vocabulary, like addition yeah. of vocabulary and grammar. It is like a microcosm. And it's weird, too, because it's not like it's some fucking island off the coast of it. Right. Like it's in the middle of the country. 
Yeah. But somehow it's it's this isolated thing. Right. And it's like a notable city. It's not like, you know, some little tiny. Omaha. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's so bizarre. And also I think it's interesting that, I mean, obviously we have much more global kind of information thing going on now, but that I could grow up for like 20 years and never even hear that that was a thing. And I like, I'm a well, like I, I watch a lot of movies, TV, mm-hmm. music, like I'm a fairly cultured person and I got to like mid twenties and just yeah. didn't and bananas. Um, but so you are now living back in New York. You've mm-hmm. been out of school for a few years yeah. and you're, you're very much in Long Island, but commuting. Yeah. So what are you commuting yes. to do? Yeah. So, um, I work for a whole bunch of dance companies, so I'm super, super fortunate. And, um, are we dancing at these dance companies? Yeah. We're dancing. We're, we're dancing. Um, yeah. So I work for a whole bunch of different companies. It's all freelance. Um, and I'm, I'm contracted to different companies on different projects, but it's a lot of that, like, uh, jigsaw scheduling where it's like, I'm here from 10 to two. And then I go here from three to nine or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, so that's what I'm commuting in and out of the city to do, which is, you you seem very happy with that. Yeah, I am. I'm really happy. Um, it took a while. I think that's something coming out of school. Um, and I know you guys have talked about this before, but there's like a little at least when I was at school, there was a little bit of a gap or a disparity between what the expectation for right out of school would look like and what the reality is. Um, just especially for the dance world in terms of like, you get out of school, you get a company contract and like you're set. And it's like, that's not real. While you were in school, how many of your friends that graduated, did you see that happen to? I think in terms of the ballet department, it's that's kind of more realistic. Like okay. ballet company contracts exist where it, you're like booked for, you know, the whole season or whatever. But in terms of the contemporary world, in my graduating class, I think there was one girl who got a contract like that. that so where like, does the expectation come from? I think... The company model, when it comes to like modern and contemporary dance, used to exist in that way. And I I think a lot of our teachers, while I was there, came from company backgrounds where it was like they had contracts that looked like that, where, you know, that was their employment. Um, But it shifted somewhere along the line where now it's much more a freelance game. And even the people who have company contracts Um, myself included. So I'm, you know, very fortunate in that way. It's like, I have more than one because one is not a full-time job. Yeah. There are like very, very few dance companies that can um, sort of provide in that way. So how many years were you in North Carolina? Uh, Just the four years at school. So you watched three classes of dancers graduate before you. Oh, yeah. And there were people that graduated ahead of me that got company contracts and stuff. But how many per class do you think? Oh, geez. Like just Um, percentage wise, like ballpark. Was it half? Was it less than half? Less than half. Less Less than than half. But you think that there was I'm going somewhere with this. I promise you think there 
you think there was an expectation that you built in your own mind that Mm. you would be one of those people? I think that there was an expectation based off of the way that we were taught in terms of dance history and dance business Mm -hmm. that the ideal was that you would graduate and you would get a company contract and that would be life. And that was it. Sure. And And that happened for some people ish while you were watching. Right. Yeah. But not most people. Right. Right. So, so where do you get the expectation that you're going to be one of the few and not one of the many? Well, um, I, especially my senior year, I was really struggling with that. And right before, why wouldn't you? Right. Everyone was. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I hopefully even, you have some rationale in your head that you're like, these are the numbers. Like you got to know what you're marching towards. Yeah. Yeah. Before I even went into school, I had like a come to Jesus moment, kind of literally where, um, I was like, am I crazy? Am I like nuts to be going to school for this? Like this people don't, this is not like a career that's safe at all. Um, and so you know, on faith, I went to school and I had a really fantastic experience. Um, but I came back around in senior year and was like, oh no, I might've made a really big mistake here. Um, I might not get a job. And at that point in, in my life, it was like, if I can't be dancing, I don't know how I'm going to breathe, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that was like a really panicking place to be. Um, why do you think it felt that way? Why did you you mean dance so vehemently? I think I started dancing when I was really little and it was the only thing that I ever said I wanted to do. Like I toyed with the idea of like, oh, maybe I want to pursue English or something, but I never really believed that I wanted to do that it was like this or nothing all my life and so I kind of so it was like a truth that you repeated to yourself so many times that it had become immovable right yeah Yeah. so I came to that crossroads as I was getting ready to graduate where I was like oh boy what if this thing that I've built up in my head doesn't happen what if you're one of the many and not one of the few Yeah. 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 And, um, I had friends too at school who were really, they really tried to encourage me during that time. And they were like, Mariah, you're going to make it like, don't freak out. You're going to be okay. And, and even some of the teachers, you know, cause they see it every year where like people start panicking at the end of the year. Um, and I had some, some of our teachers that also said like, don't freak out it might be a minute, like you might get out of school and not have something right away, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. You'll still wake up and you'll still be breathing every morning. Right. You know? So yeah. Um, did that sink in then or did it take time? Did it help at all? It helped a little to know. I think I always needed to know that like the teachers or, or the professors at school Mm -hmm. believed in me because Right now we're getting into the weeds of it, but my dance teacher growing up was really fantastic. And she gave me a a solid base of technique, but 
And in part, she was just kind of telling the truth. She always said, like, I can't guarantee this is going to work for you. I can't guarantee you're going to get a job. Well, yeah, Um, no one can. Right. But as like a 12 year old who was dreaming of being like a professional dancer, I I think I needed to hear like, you can do this. And I never Mm. did. And so, yeah, fast forward senior year of college hearing like, you can do this. Like, I believe in you. You can you can do it. I needed to hear that. Um, But yeah, it took that whole year out of school. um, That first year after I graduated to kind of come to terms a little bit more with like, oh, the reality that I dreamed up in my head is not. Um, it, it's like based in dream or fantasy, but I will say now, 2020 hindsight, the reality that I'm living is better than anything I could have asked for or imagined. Like, right. The, the people I'm getting to work for the places I've gotten to go, the venues I've gotten to dance in. Like if I had made, I often say to people, like if I had made a bucket list, Things are getting checked off right and left without me having to like, I don't know, grab it. You know, it's just like falling into my hands and I feel very, very fortunate in that way. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like to me that the expectation was met in a way that you could not have understood Mm. and your fear was based in a belief that if it didn't work out the way you wanted it to specifically Mm. that that would lead to your being miserable and maybe even the end of your existence as a person (laughs) because it's like it has to go down this road because you are not able to see any of the other roads. Mm -hmm. I think you make such a wonderful point. And I'm actually so glad that I'm having this conversation with you today. I talked to a lovely uh, young woman named Rosa yesterday. I don't know if you know her. She's from Russia. Yeah, I overlapped Rosa at school. She told a story about growing up in Russia and taking a dance class because her friend needed a friend to go with her because she wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But she did Rosa was like, ah, I'm a dance who gives a shit. Whatever. She went anyway. Yeah. She started going. And at one point, somebody got cut or whatever, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. Even though she didn't really wasn't as into it as everybody else. But this other girl got cut and she got to stay. And then a teacher, when she was like 11 years old, just like you said you were 12. She's 11 and this teacher says, kind of in passing, but said it. Like, you know, the only reason you're still here is because your legs are so long. Wow. We talked for quite a bit. I encourage you to listen to the episode. I think you'll really like Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. We've talked for quite a bit about the choice she was given in that moment as a very small child. And both Mm -hmm. choices are so legitimate. They're mm-hmm. such fair choices. Yeah. First of all, because it's a child, but because you can understand how it, either one would happen. And the first choice is the one 
that Rosa picked, which was to say, fuck you. I'll show you I fucking belong here. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, okay, fine. That's how you see me. I'm going to change that. Took it as a challenge. That was choice one. The second choice, which is just as legitimate, is to go home and tell your mom, man, fuck this. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't even want to do it in the first place. Okay. And now this lady's mean to me. I don't mm -hmm. do, like, and she's telling me I'm not even good. And I mean, she knows. So put all this together. Can I go do archery or I don't know, some <laughs> other activity? Like, I hate this. This sucks. Yeah. And no one would blame that kid. I wouldn't mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's like you were, it was not like it was your passion. And then you got discouraged and you quit. She didn't even mm -hmm. want to be there. Mm -hmm. It ended up becoming her fucking passion because she was so determined to prove this lady wrong. Right. We got into a great discussion about how both the story you just told and the story I just retold of hers, because hers will probably come out before yours. <laughs> is that but i encourage everyone to go listen to it they're both legitimate ways mm -hmm. to educate and inspire mm -hmm. support and tough love in the right doses yeah are both legit and it depends on the person i don't yeah. think you would have had the same reaction in that moment that she had you might have still been like i'm gonna keep dancing you might not have quit mm -hmm. but it it might have hurt you a little bit more deeply to hear from a teacher at that age and imagine too let's be honest as americans for a second let's imagine this russian dance teacher oh talking gosh. to an 11 year old <laughs> you know the only reason that you are in russian yeah. but my point right. being damn that would shut me down you know and i can mm -hmm. remember experiences at that age middle yeah. school where someone said something and i had one way or the other both are so legit and the key is i think and a great educator, and I'm so glad that you've had some at mm. multiple times, yeah. is to quickly, the sign of the best educator is how quickly they assess what each student needs in order to be the best version of themselves. Because yeah. here you were wobbly in here because right. no one had been like, you got this. Yeah. You're great. Don't give up. That's what you needed. And mm -hmm. that doesn't make you weak and it doesn't make her strong that she needed a little tap on the back of the calf faster. Mm -hmm. You know, she mm -hmm. needed encouragement that way. I naively, as a, I've been an educator many times, I naively have kind of pulled of like, what is the right method? And there fucking is no right method. Mm -hmm. It all depends on the kid. Right. And yeah. it's so cool to hear your story in contrast to hers, because here you are both. I've talked to her yesterday. Both of you are like in your disposition and talking to me now are just still so passionate. You so fucking want to do this thing so bad. And you're both so sweet and nice, kind people that, do, that don't seem to have had it kicked out of you or, mm -hmm. or, had your ass kissed so much that it's out of you, whatever, either way, you're both it seemingly, and I'm naive, <laughs> but seemingly from these two conversations I've had right where the fuck you need to be your mm -hmm. words. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons I'm learning just this week in my own life, talking to you, wonderful people is like, there's something there about what do we all need? And here's my point. And this is why I'm bringing this back to you. I want your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't end with childhood. Right. We're still different in what we need to be encouraged, to be supported, to be inspired. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I think the best, and this is why I think the fucking pickle thing is why we all connect because for real, you and I just yeah. met, we don't know each other. People can wind yeah. the tape back an hour. I don't, I just met you, but there's a vibe <laughs> that we understand each other to a degree because we both understand we all need a different thing. Mm-hmm. And we are far more invested in figuring out what that is for ourselves and others than condemning, oh, you don't say the word water right. <laughs> Meet me where I am. Right. Right. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? No, it does. It does. It, um, as you were talking about the idea of like the best educators being the ones who identify what their students need, it made me think of there's this um, there's like a, a Bible verse that that talks about teachers being judged more harshly because mm. they're the ones that are leading and, and they Do have you know the, the verse. Ability. I don't know it. I don't like know the reference. The vibe. Here. Yeah. Just give me the yeah. summation. Yeah. It, it, the idea is that like, you are the one providing direction, providing answers, and you can mislead people. And, and so there's a weight of responsibility. And I think that sometimes in terms of education, both like in the academic sphere, but also in the arts realm, we don't prioritize or like, sometimes it feels like anybody can be a teacher. And it's like, that is just not true. And it's It's an entirely different skill set than whatever it is you're teaching. Knowing that and knowing how to teach are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. You could be a wonderful dancer or a wonderful actor and not be able to teach, not be able to communicate that to someone else or imbue knowledge to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also, and this is the argument that School of the Arts has made for like 60 years, less now that they've become more of a university, but for a very Mm -hmm. long time, their argument was, and... Also, you can spend a lifetime doing the art and know how to teach without getting a classical uh, academic teaching education. Like you may not need to go to school for it. But if in your professional life, for example, you've been choreographing and teaching other dancers for fucking 20 years, Mm -hmm. we will hear you out that you have the skill set and potentially are the right person to be an educator in this field. And I think that's a fair thing to meet in the middle too. of because I don't want I, all my professors or all my educators in the, my whole journey in education to be like stuffy academic people yeah yeah because there is something I mean there's something wonderful about things getting codified um yeah. but it also can be limiting and yeah. some of the best teachers I've had at school and after school are people that don't have a master's degree their right. master's degree was their experience I don't have a bachelor's degree because I went to, (laughs) this is true. I'm a college arts diploma kid. I'm one of the Mm. last people to graduate from school, the arts without the fucking actual bachelor's thing. Cause I didn't go to academics. I just took arts classes and, and suck it. If they don't think I know how to like at this point. And I have like, a substantial amount of experience, like actually teaching like K through 12 and different levels and like all this different stuff. Um, 
So I would make the argument that I'm in that second camp, but at the same time, there's definitely still plenty of people who, like I said, went to public high school and then went and did four years of theater at like whatever state school, which is Mm -hmm. fine. And now they're teaching these high schoolers, but they have nothing to tell the high schoolers except, you know, what you could do is what I did. And then just keep doing this loop. They don't know how to be like, well, this is how an agent might work if you wanted to be a professional actor or a manager, or maybe you want to be a professional dancer and you need to understand how companies have evolved and things like there's none of that knowledge because they don't go out and get it. They just stay in that local cycle of go to the college, go to the high school, go to the college, go to the high school. (laughs) Like, um, it's fascinating. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. I hope that's something that the school doesn't lose in its kind of becoming more of like a university and inside the uh, UNC system because I think it's inevitable. Yeah. It's just such a, I don't think it'll, it is, it is, but I think here's what I think is beautiful about this. Um, You know, we've had a huge, and I gotta be careful because this is like a separate podcast episode entirely that I'd love (laughs) to talk to people about, but it's a bigger thing. I really think the, the big arc of education that we're experiencing right now is this huge transitional thing. You know, we're mm-hmm. hitting the bubble of how all these colleges are just like so ridiculously priced that kids are yeah. for the first generation, like not going. They're like, I'm not going to do that because why would I sign up for that debt when I'm right. looking at your graduation rate? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Um, you know, so they're getting wise to that. The information is far more global. We just mm-hmm. had a fucking pandemic teach us that you can basically learn every degree you'd like to learn from your computer because uh, we proved that. Um, so I think something's, a lot of things are going to pop. I really would love for UNCSA as a classic institution to be like ahead of the curve and, and get, but they won't because they're too bogged down by having drank the Kool-Aid of UNC and gotten in on that because they had no choice because that's who had their money. So it's like they they won't. And so unfortunately, what I believe will happen um, is the concept of the focused arts conservatory, which is way older than this American university problem that's like 40 years old, will survive via something mm-hmm. else. We yeah. will start to see these arts conservatories pop up that are mm-hmm. like, come here for a two or three year program. It's deeply immersive. It's a quarter of the cost of a university. And you know what? You don't get a degree, but guess what? No one gives a shit. So come on. It, they'll get what I got. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get the I actual mean, arts diploma and the little certificate that no one ever asks for. Right. And it will cost them less money and they'll get the thing they want. But it, that'll yeah. take time for that to get built in the vacuum of what places like UNCSA are no longer providing. That's just my belief. Yeah, no. And and what you just said about like, no one cares about the piece of paper. It's so true. No one cares that I got a BFA. They care that I went to NCSA. Yeah. And because it depends on which door you go to. Right. Yeah. And there are some places who are going to be like, we don't care where you went. Do you have the paper? Mm-hmm. Like there are places like that. There is my situation where no one cares where I went, period. They don't care if I went to school, where I went to school, yeah. if I got a degree. I could have dropped out of high school. In the business I'm in, no one gives a fuck at all. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I didn't go there for that. I went there for the skill set. And that is the thing that I wish more and more people would understand about what you're supposed to do after high school. Go learn how to do something. Right. And don't worry about 
if it's like in even with all due respect, because I totally understand why you felt the way that you did. I felt the way that you did as well. It is mm-hmm. a stepping stone thing that they sell to us. First this, then this, then this. And they're tied together by this theme of you're going to study a thing and it's going to lead to a job and that's going to be a career. And then it's going to be, that is an illusion. It mm-hmm. is a foregone thing that no longer, at a time it existed. Yeah, it did. exactly. It's, it's like the dance company gig, like yeah. so many other gigs. It's changed and we have to be honest with ourselves. So don't, mm-hmm. don't trip about having a career at 22. First of all, that has always been a little crazy. Yeah. Second of all, just learn how to do something. <laughs> learn how to yeah. do something helpful that you like. Put those yeah. two things together. Learn It's helpful and you like to do it. Learn how to be pretty good at it. Then go figure it out. That's all you have yeah. to do. Right. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the most prolific, talented dance people that I've had the honor and pleasure of working with never went to college. Right. And he is incredible. Truly incredible. And I'm sure you've also met people who are up there with that person who didn't mm-hmm. go to college. Exactly. So it's like wherever you learn it, if you've got the yeah. money to go to an out-of-state school or your 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 family's got something set aside or you got whatever mm-hmm. or you're so uh, poor by the American system that they let you go for free, go. But if right. you don't, just go learn how to do it. Just it's so many different it. places to do it. And don't then, and here's the the brilliance of this, Mariah. They don't <laughs> have to be in the situation that you were in going, am I going to be one of the many or the few? Because mm-hmm. they're not worried about it like that. It's not mm-hmm. about that. It's about, yeah. did I learn some shit while yeah. I was here? That's what yeah. I should be nervous about. Fuck, I'm almost out of time. Did I learn everything? Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh no, what if I'm not set for life at 22 years old yeah which when you're 22 i get it Mm -hmm. but like you know i also you need adults in your life to be like like you said you're gonna be fine right yeah i think um i think related to that there's also one thing i I will credit the school with is that they celebrate people's successes both in the arts world and outside of it like people who continue on to go and you know, work for NASCAR, whatever, NASA, you know, like they celebrate all of that too, or become Miss America. Like they celebrate success in all the ways that it comes. So that's one thing. And then the second thing that was what needed to happen for me um, was not that I succeeded, that I got a job. It was that I needed to find my like the essence of my value as a person absolutely um yeah and like my identity outside of dancing because growing up I I didn't necessarily always say like first thing like I'm a dancer um I said lots of other things about myself including that and then I went to school and I got like so zeroed in on this one thing, um, which was great, but it almost took like going through the pandemic and not being able to, to do the thing I wanted to be doing as a job for me to like get shaken back out of it and be like, you're a lot more than, than pointed feet or flex feet, (laughs) you know? I, uh, I love that. 
I love that you had that experience. And I think that maybe that's part of what we need to figure out about how to emerge from a deeply focused program and make sure that that people walk away from that, not having their entire identity tied to themselves as an artist uh, or whatever you learned. But I'll say this too. And I think this is, I mean, you can speak to this far more than I can. I grew up in a a kind of semi- intense Christian household. I am mm. self-described atheist now, but my wife also grew up Christian. I think she's still, uh, you know, definitely has a, a faithful relationship, but for myself, one of the things I love about Christianity, mm. and there are many, there are many things I really like about it. I think, and there are other religions that do this well too, but if you really, if you're man, if you're really listening to that message, if you really get into the, to the heart of what that new Testament seems to fucking be about, it's like, what is your role in this? Mm-hmm. All this, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is for you, and whether God, heaven, but let's talk about right now. And that mm-hmm. to me is one of the my favorite lessons from the stories of Christ are like the action taken in mm-hmm. the name of people who are alive right now. Because a lot of religions get overly concerned about what happens after you die, in my opinion. And that's one of the yeah. things that turns me off about a lot of them. Because I'm like, we got a lot of shit to do right now. I'm not, too, <laughs> I'm not getting wrapped up about what happens right. after I die. Especially when I got no proof I'm fucking anything's going to happen. So I'm going to dedicate my time to is this. Right. And I love that about a lot of Christ stories, which is like, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You're about on a this? mission. Yeah, yeah, something. And if whether it's based on religion or something is is it kind of irrelevant to my point. More of a historical call of like it makes sense to me why so many people would be a part of this thing that mm-hmm. as even doesn't connect with me in the same way that it did when I was a kid, but I get it because especially like I look at people like um Pennsylvania, speaking of the Amish. Oh man. Yeah. They, that's the lesson they take from that fucking book. They're like, we owe each other action Mm -hmm. to help each other out and do better and, and, and be better and and make life better for each other. Cause life is fucking hard for everybody at some point. And so Mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't you focus on what you do? And it can feel kind of selfish. I think to be an artist, sometimes you can be kind of Mm -hmm. like man, my role in all this is I'm going to twirl around on the floor for a little while. I mean, you're at your most cynical. That's what you're saying to yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And right. it's so, it's like, how does that fucking help anybody? Of course, that's how you feel. Because the work of being an artist, first of all, is a lifelong pursuit. And the notion is that the same reason you need to dance, you need to dance, mm-hmm. is the reason why you need to dance for everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like the yeah, reason so. in your heart that you're called to participate in this, that essence is the same essence that is the motivation for why dance is your contribution to the society. Mm-hmm. It's not your only contribution as yeah. you've done recently, but it is a part of that same thing because that expression is not something everybody can do. And especially right. when you start engaging with I mean, you're from New York. People fucking just yell what they feel a lot, right? But that's not the world. That's New York. That's a few places. A lot of the world, and I work on a TV show that we do with a lot of international cultures. Most of the world is pretty fucking conservative. 
Most mm. of the world does not talk about how they feel. Most of mm. the world is not transparent and emotionally intelligent and articulate about their feelings and all that kind of stuff. And you know who helps them get through their difficult lives? The people who are sensitive, who are tapped into those things. They don't know how to tell their wife what they're feeling, mm. but they can listen to a song or right. watch a dance and at least access it. Right, right. Yeah. That's fucking huge. It is. It is. That's yeah, not selfish. I think it's I think it's a reorienting of our perspective on what we do from something that can feel self-serving to something that is at its essence other serving. Like I have whatever talents or gifts that I have that I've tried to steward in my life. I love that word so much. Right? Such a cool I really word. do. I, I, I don't use it enough. I really like I it. I think I stole it from Trent, actually. I think I heard him use it once in college. That sounds like some shit he would say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're you're stewarding this in order to serve your community or your world in some way. And whether that's just to to bring people's eyes out of themselves, if it's to offer something beautiful, if it's to help somebody feel, like there is something intrinsic in the arts that you can say is just about me, myself, and I. But we do it on a stage or project it as a film for other people. Right. And it, and it can be self-serving if you're using it to kind of, of course. gain like notoriety back. And can it but, not be both? Can it yeah. not be both things at the same time? We can walk and mm. chew gum, right? One yeah. of my favorite definitions of art um, is actually Pete Holmes is one of my favorite comedians. And he says, art is highly sensitive people reporting back to the rest of the group what life is like for them. Mm. That's a great definition. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. I'm going to say it again for anyone listening, just because it is a little wordy. Art is highly sensitive people reporting back to the rest of the group what life is like for them. Mm. That is an incredibly valuable thing. If you look at it at face value, of course, it seems selfish because even in that phrasing, it is unsolicited. Mm -hmm. I didn't say the rest of the group requests us to go out and make a thing and bring it back and let them know how we feel. No, we are just reporting back to the group unsolicited. By the way, the world is insane for us in these particular ways we experience in these really intense ways. And I have brought it back for you to see how far it can go. A horror movie is a great example, right? Yeah. It is a bunch of people who got together without anyone asking them usually. Especially, right. I, know, I know horror writers. Ain't nobody asking them to do that. They have to do that shit. It's no like in their head. They got to get that. it out. Yeah, no, absolutely not. They go, they go make this thing and they bring it back to the rest of us. And they go, hey, it could be this bad. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit, it's not that yeah. bad. Like, and it makes right, us all right. feel a little safer because there's like no one with the knife <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. The zombies aren't actually no. banging down the door. And yeah. it's at first, you're like, what a selfish thing. You just want to see blood and guts. It's like, yeah, but when you watch a scary movie, 
it heightens your experience. And then when it's over, you go back and now you Mm -hmm. have perspective because you went over here and you came back. You went to North Carolina and now you're back in Long Island. Yeah. It's perspective building. Yeah, for sure. I guess all art is on some level building out your perspective, widening the lens. Otherwise you're just making entertainment. And I don't have a problem with that because I make my living off entertainment. I love entertainment. <laughs> Do not get yeah. me wrong. But I think that to me, and I everything's subjective. Like I said, I don't believe really in right mm. and wrong words because everybody uses language differently. I still believe in that an hour later. But it is um but it is um it is the difference for me in that specificity between art and entertainment, which is like mm. the art does seek to do some version of that. Right. We want to push the perspective, a boundary explore yeah you want to engage still yeah and 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 it's not a crime if uh art makes you uncomfortable you know it's almost the point of it entertainment Mm -hmm. is not really supposed to make you uncomfortable it's not supposed to make you feel weird it's not supposed to leave you walking away going oh no that like otherwise you encountered some something artistic something that had some value but like you know reality tv I paid my bills with it many a week. I It was never really my thing before. Some of it, I think, verges on art, but mostly it's entertainment. You just show up mm-hmm. every week. You have a good time. You're not really meant to be challenged too much. And it's just fun. And ain't nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Absolutely not. But the art, the art should do something. Push you. Anything. Yeah. I don't care what it yeah. is. There's, what's that quote? There's some some art definition again that's like art is meant to comfort the disturb and disturb the comfortable yes yeah i have heard that i do not know who that is i love that i have no idea yeah but it it was a brain seed in there somewhere i held on to it (laughs) but yeah i have had a wonderful time chatting with you i don't know if this has been bad for you you can tell me when we cut if it was awful (laughs) but i had a good time no it's been great yeah for sure Wonderful. Um, well, love to have you back on. Catch up. See how it's going. It seems like you got a lot of plates spinning right now. Yeah. Um, do you have anything coming up or, uh, you know, anything kind of on the horizon or is it really just grinding these, the jigsaw schedule until it is le- until it's less pieces? Sch- yeah. The jigsaw, jigsaw schedule is definitely a thing. Um, it's an awesome thing. I love to be working on Lots of different projects keeps it interesting, keeps you growing, keeps challenging you. Um, I have a, a show coming up in the very top of December and then kind of on a break around the holidays. I feel like it's probably true for lots of art people, but like things just yeah, seem to the, slow the, most of the art and entertainment and in, industry shuts down because we rely on attention mm-hmm. and it is a time of year when you cannot get anyone's attention. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and then in January, I start back up with um, some projects and showings. And um, there's this thing called APAP, which is like basically a festival for presenters to see um, art and dancers and then decide if they want to bring them to their theater. So that's like a crazy thing right at the beginning of the new year. And I've got that. So you're kind of prepping for that. Yeah. So yeah, I've got things on the horizon, working on a film project right now. That's been really exciting. Um, Yeah, just like super content and always, you know, 
there's always something more that you hope for. But uh, in the meantime, while I'm hoping for more things, I'm super content and really happy with what I've got going on. So, Well, you're either uh, convincingly full of shit or a very <laughs> happy person. I am. I am a very content, joy-filled person. That's wonderful. Right now. So, yeah. Well, um, you tell Kyle the motorboater I said hello, and this was a <laughs> wonderful, will. wonderful time. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Yes, sounds good. <laughs>